Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey everybody! What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And if I had my pad flute, I'd be playing it right now. We are today. We're, we're dancing around the maple today. <laughs> That's right, we are. And we've invited a very special guest, someone who is an OG guest who we love having back, Katie Moyer. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for our folk horror episode. Ahoy! Oh, <laughs> see that folk. <laughs> yes, that's folkish. That is folkish. We're folk. Well, folksy. Yeah, we are. We're very folk. Let me get my mandolin. (laughs) (laughs) So you do that. I'll play my pad flute. Jackie, what is she? We got a band going. Um, I'm not going to have an instrument. I'm just going to go Nick Cage, put on a bear skin and punch a woman in the face. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a bit. That's still a band. That's a big exactly. I'm elevating us to the next level. That's the campaign. That's the rhythm section. Yep. (laughs) Percussions. Old people. Ladies. Man, don't care. I'm just gonna wear bear skin and punch bitches. I'm most excited to see you with bear skin. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> well, so Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for classing us up with this idea for a good full car episode. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, you've been what really, I I'm surprised you've even got time for us we folks here at Jersey Ghouls these days because you're so busy doing all this other cool shit. Tell me a little bit about what you've been up to. Well, um, we just wrapped uh, the second season of Screamwriters podcast. Um, the architect of that podcast, Patrick Mediate, and I, uh, I jumped on as guest host this season. And uh, so we had an awesome season with a bunch of amazing guests. Um, so that just wrapped. We'll be starting our next season in October. And um, let's see, I um, I'm, have a new short story being published in Scarlet Leaf Review called Andrew Devine Was a Rock Star. And right. uh yeah, I've just been um, doing, do, putting a lot of pen to paper, uh, hoping to get a few, got a few other irons in the fire for uh, getting stories out there and really just uh, trying to make that happen. That's awesome. Yes. We are so excited to um, latch on as your star continues to rise. That's my plan, at least. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not latch on. Whoops. I mean, cheer you on as your star continues to rise. Oh, please. How does anything get done in this industry if we don't latch on to other people That's and right. just ride the ride the tails of that star? That's right. Well, and Every- or pagan sacrifices. 
Well, you know what? That's plan B. So that's good. That's yeah. and and you that's what's why nice we watch you around, right? that's <laughs> it. What I like about having you as a friend is we could go either way. That's that's important. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so tonight, you guys, we have decided to kick it with o- the OG, one of the original unholy trilogy films, 1968's Witchfinder General, aka the Coggers Worm which I want to talk yes. about later. I think it's just penis, <laughs> you guys. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> it's clearly a penis. <laughs> and also 2018's Apostle. So um, let's dive in though first and talk a little bit about folk horror, y'all. Let's do it. I'm okay. excited to talk about <laughs> it's folk cool. horror. I'll just, wait. I'll just wait for you <laughs> anytime. Feel free to jump in. <laughs> so I was like, say- I did research. I know. Um, I brought, I, I kind of brought this to you guys because uh, we were just chatting one day and I was talking about the Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is that documentary on Shudder. And it's like, uh, it's kind of like that. Um, oh, why am I forgetting the name of that 80s documentary? Um, Into the Darkness. Uh, into the darkness. Thank you. It's kind of like that, but specifically for folk horror where we're just, we, they go through the films and they talk about the tropes and the, uh, all the history of it. Um, Cause it was kind of like this niche genre that then has now gotten more of a grasp and a following and Robert Eggers with the witch and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I know a field in England was one that uh, one of the first recent ones that I saw and thought was just trippy and I remember thinking like I don't know if I like this but it was Mm. definitely an experience which I think a lot of folk horror is yeah no that's I I agree I think that like modern and Jackie I know you love you some the Vavitch and Midsummer (laughs) and all these other modern folk tales that are coming out DC or face if you can see it everybody um they are I think so too I think they're an experience and love them or hate them they're definitely doing something worth looking at worth talking about something interesting even if nothing else but making Jackie fall asleep that's still something that they're doing Oh yeah, they're, sometimes they're just kind of like walking through an art gallery, like mm-hmm. where you I have don't know to if write, this art like, is good or any. But. So I I started watching the the same the same documentary, and one of the things I thought was interesting was that this kind of like attempt at defining folk horror became so kind of tricky. So it, let's let's go with some of the things that I think we can kind of agree on as definitions, or at least parts of what makes up. Uh, full car so adam scavell is the guy i'm going to reference here it seems like he's the the og of all this stuff he's a filmmaker of celluloid wicker man is his little site that i i went to and he talks about landscapes i think maybe just limiting it to rural feels limiting i think there's some good folk horror that's coming out not just in super rural super isolated areas um i think like for example i would use rosemary's baby as an interesting example of like something that some people argue would be folk horror but it takes place in the city it's just she's very isolated in her own environment so i think there's an interesting argument to be had there but i think traditionally speaking it does kind of have that like rural vibe to it i think there's Something I liked was his uh, psychogeography, which is a thought put forward initially by the situationist art movement regarding the hidden landscape of atmospheres, histories, actions, and characters which change or alter environments. So I actually really like that. Obviously, it has to do with folklore, or at least it should, which I think we could talk about that when we talk about Witchfinder General too. And of course, it should have something to do with an isolation of a human in a world of skewed moral beliefs. I really liked that definition. So I'm going to chuck that out to you guys, see what you think. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the the thing that sticks with me always about uh, folk horror specifically in the storytelling element of it is that it is an outsider coming into something it doesn't fully understand. So I think that, and I think this is expanding, especially in the modern era where we're 
back then it was paganism. We can see that with Witchfinder General and the others of the blood on Satan's claw and things like that. But now we do have this, there's a lot of kind of outsider coming into an belief system that would find of kind of follow those same tropes and give like there's a very specific atmosphere to what the folk is um so i i don't want to like even limit it to pagan but there is something earthy about it too yeah. um where it is something coming from the roots both in uh like the actual roots that are in the ground but also the roots of the our history our uh, heritage yeah. And one of the things that I think I found interesting, and I don't know if the documentary got into this because I'm going to be totally honest and say I fell asleep and I didn't finish the documentary. Um, I haven't finished it. I've been taking it an hour at a time. Yeah. It's, it's a it's little slow. Chunks. It's best in chunks. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things that I really liked when doing some research for this was this idea that the reason why folk horror is so effective right now in our landscape is because when things are so tumultuous and changing so rapidly in a way that is new and foreign for, for communities, we tend to look back and like, I'd like idolize or, or maybe rely on old ways. And I think there's something really relevant to be said there for what we're seeing as what I think is a kind of return to fundamentalist ideologies in a lot of our country, which by the way, for the record is terrifying to me. But again, I, I agree with you. I think that we we look back when we're scared and we also look to, to, to villainize and to maybe, and, and when we're most scared and when things are in most chaos, I think is when people like the villains in these movies are so easily able to come to power. So I think that like, we're in a moment where certain villains in our real world are very much taking on to me, the shape that the villains in these films take. When I see these characters on film, I see some of the modern politicians. I see some of the modern war lords and all the creepy assholes who are taking so much control because people are so scared and are buying into their bullshit. So I think that now more than ever, these kind of stories are really relevant, at least where I'm sitting. Yeah, I think buying into the bullshit. And I think that's something that's very permanent and per permissive in folk horror is there is like that cult idea mm -hmm. um where it's there is a belief and people are able to buy into it and get gratification out of the power felt there and um kind of yeah they can take control just because of a belief and it's kind of scary to see how the only way you can take control is if people believe you have that power and so they're able to usurp that and get that power and say, hey, guess what? I have it. I mean, I mean, even Witchfinder General. I mean, he just says that he's the Witchfinder and is like, the parliament should appoint me Witchfinder General. And I want to try it. I want to get a fancy hat and start calling myself like the cunt finder general and see if like people believe it and <laughs> just like start riding a horse. What exactly is the role of cunt finder general? general? Like, are you oh, looking for people who are cuntish or are you right. looking for actual it's cunts? Important, right? like, it's important then it's just every woman it's on the street. Like, it's found one, found one, found one, found Pay me money. Right. Right. Let's see if it floats. <laughs> It's an important distinction to make. I'm glad you asked because yes, I will be looking for <laughs> cuntish human beings, male and female, just douchebags. So maybe the douche finder general might douche be a better general. Yeah, might yeah. Be. Douche yeah because general because might be cunts are really powerful and they push babies out and they are they, like they very they, stretchy they the and yep, they they're the most elastic ones. thing in nature. So literal come on. Ones, yeah. So I feel like we should probably dive in and talk about Witchfinder and something I've been missing from my life terribly is hearing uh, Jackie sum summarize doing the sum yes. summary. Oh. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, not a problem. So which finder general? <laughs> she just like dropped her pen. Like she was, like, I'm sorry. I'm on it. waiting this whole moment. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> which finder general? So first off, we've got, we've got Vincent Price with a page boy haircut. And even those sweet, sweet locks can't save this movie. Because here's what happens in this movie. So <laughs> people are being accused of being witches. And... <laughs> you know what? I can't even call this movie bad. This movie was so just kind of like milk toast, mediocre. You've been accused of being a witch. I'm going to torture you. The end. You've you been accused. Milk toast, mediocre? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, that's, I'm going to unpack that later. I like that. Continue. <laughs> Never heard it, of it was just, life. it was just, I don't know, like nothing, nothing happened. Things happened, but nothing happened. And Jackie, somebody wrote That's a horse fair, for a actually. solid, yeah. someone wrote a horse for a solid 20 minutes. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing happened. I watched a guy also with a goofy haircut ride his horse for like a solid 20 That's minutes. True. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I don't cute. know. This one, he was adorable. <laughs> and I normally like, if we're going to go folk horror, I'm going old school. Like OG Wicker Man is so good. Like I don't really, there's some modern that I like, but as we know, most of it, I don't like, nor would watch. Um, normally I like, I OG. don't like, nor would I watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, cause I'm, I'm not going to watch Midsummer. I, I sat through the Vivitch. I don't need to watch Midsummer. I've seen the Wicker Man and this is Wicker Man with a girl in a flower suit. So I think I, that's I, a little bit of an oversimplification, <laughs> but okay, we'll allow it. Yeah, no, I was, I, I wanted to really like this. I'm all about, you know, folk horror from the sixties. I'm all about Vincent Price. And this just was just like, here's your scoop of vanilla ice cream plain. Here okay, we go. So that's, I mean, that's more of a review than a, than a synopsis, Jackie, but we'll take it. He, he's looking for witches. He's looking he for witches. He, he, uh, he, he sleeps with somebody. Um, he then wants his friend to get away with rape. So he was like, oh, we'll just accuse him of being a witch. The end. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's fair. <laughs> there we yeah. go. So, I um, mean, it is, it is a fair assessment of what happens all fair, in this right? movie. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, uh, Witchfinder General is a 1968 flick based on a book by Ronald Bassett, directed by Michael Reeves, who sadly died the year after the film came out, I saw. 25 years old. Drug I know, overdose. what a tragic, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty tragically. Um, This takes place during oh. 1645, which is in the throes of like the British Revolution. And I think what, Jackie, I'm going to, I'm going to double down and say you are absolutely right i was a little less than excited by it but what i did like of course was the 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 allegory of it all and like the the comments it made not only on politics but also on people in general so i if i had to rename our whole episode if the one thing that i loved about both these films the thing that i i thought was a really interesting thread in it and and katie earmuffs because you're gonna get mad at me i'm gonna call this episode aka shitty men desperate for power who selfishly ruin everything for everyone. That's, that's the episode of, that I'm going to, because Again, Finder, not wrong. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, cause, so we, as we know, Matthew Hopkins was a real figure in history. Um, I did a little research and by research, I meant I Wikipedia him. So anybody, please feel free to step in with real research here, but it said that between, <laughs> between the years of 1644 and 1646, he was responsible for over a hundred, which is being uh, killed in Britain. He definitely was a scumbag. He definitely took advantage 
of the tumultuous civil war and the, the, the political and religious wars of the time. And one thing that this movie does well, in my opinion, is point to the fact that everyone was full of shit during the witch trials and all that. Everybody was out for themselves. Everybody was just kind of promoting their own agenda and taking advantage of all of the craziness and all of the fear around them. Now, the one thing I did like was the representation of the woman, because while there's no denying that you can't do this without being slightly misogynistic, right? Because the reality of the trials themselves was so fucking insanely misogynistic. But I thought the, the female protagonist, especially compared to Hammer films, the truth of the matter is that she was a lot more dignified and she was kind of given a lot more, um, you know, uh, not, I don't want to say power, but at least she, in the cruelty and the torture and everything else that was handed to her compared to those other films we watched, I just feel like she managed to maintain some dignity and there managed to be a sort of sweetness to their love story, in my opinion, given the time yeah. and given everything that, that was happening. And, and taking out the part where she, you know, tries to help her father's cause or her uncle's cause uh, by... Sleeping you know. with him, banging him. Yeah. 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 Letting letting him take advantage of her. Uh, letting I know. I know. But like, Hopkins. you know, it, it's so uncomfortable to watch. But again, at least in that moment, she did like, I don't know. Cause like it, the, to me, the brutality of the film really like hit me hard. I don't know why. Like it, it was did. hard to watch. I mean, it, yeah. the movie starts with a woman screaming, being dragged to the noose. I did, I did like the fact that in this movie, there is the representation of both men and women. This isn't just like the man coming down on a woman for being a witch and you know, all the many millions of reasons. There are men that are tortured and uh-huh. seeks confession for in this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, it's, my, it's my, yeah. it's my good old favorite. It, it all stems back to fucking religion. You know, I mean, the real life Matthew Hopkins was a lawyer and he read a book and what harm can come from reading a book. Well, um, he ends up reading a book that's based on Bible passages. He then takes that and put in puts it in his brain and he scrambles and then he writes the discovery of witches he appoints himself witch finder general um and then he does a whole lot of damage apparently yeah yeah no and like so it's it goes back to being this like i said he's a religious zealot he's he's a monster he becomes obsessed and i thought that vincent price did a pretty good job portraying that in the film um, I think it was toned down a little bit, but yeah, again, I, God, I mean, sorry. I think that just given, yeah, the, I think the phrase they use is pastoral violence, where it's like the beauty of the countryside juxtaposed with the extreme violence. And I was, yeah, I like, I was surprised that in 1968, we, I mean, it was not a cutaway of that woman being hanged at the beginning of the movie and we saw them i mean the needle going into his back and when they throw them over the bridge to see if they float or sink um and then i i mean one of the images that really stuck out to me and they mentioned it in the documentary but when i watched it i was like wow is the children cooking potatoes in the ashes of the witch fire yeah that was and just yeah. like there were these kind of small moments of really truly kind of horrific like because it was pretty, I think it did feel kind of milk toast. But then when you actually like sit back and think about what you just watched, it was like, whoa, that's not okay. Like <laughs> that might not like be okay with me later. <laughs> I think that's why I feel that way. Knowing what happened then, like in actual mm-hmm. history, I just, 
they, I just, I, maybe I just don't like the way they presented it. Maybe I just felt like they could have done differently or could have done more somehow. And I'm not even going to be so arrogant to pretend to try to rewrite the script, but I don't know. Like it just, it, it came off kind of just, I think I know, I think I know the, if I can maybe pick at this scab a little bit, Jackie, if you don't mind me <laughs> doing that, just to know, but pick my scabs, go ahead. Because I think what, what doesn't sit well with you is that this film presents all of these characters, the Witchfinders, even like the, 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 the protagonists in a lot of ways, as people who are not really guided by religion at all, they're not really they're not really motivated by this higher belief. They're just hiding behind it. They're just sadists and scummy human beings who it, it never is about the religious righteousness for them in this film. And what I loved about that was that in my head, in my heart, so many people who hide behind religion are like that. And I know you feel the same way too, because you're probably even more anti-establishment religion than I am. But I think that's why this didn't sit well for a lot of people is that it, it never is even like, I mean, this guy literally doesn't even pretend to be a good guy or pretend to be religiously guided. I mean, Jesus, he literally like blackmails the girl into sleeping with him. He literally covers for his rapist friend. He, he uses, he steals money. And he like, when the horrible guy, like when he leaves and they both go their separate ways, the really creepy rapist guy, um, even though they're both creepy rapist guys but the really bad one and when they get back together he just throws some money at him and they're like yeah it's all good like to me there's it's just proof positive just there is no morality to these men there is no you know any sort of even pretending that they're living in some sort of noble or right way and and i think that's going to be like we're going to kind of cycle back to this whole theme in, in the next film as well but like this idea of very thinly veiled like complete creeper complete misogynist complete scummy human beings hiding behind religion it, it it was very thin in this they didn't bother to try to make them look religious or have them even spew any sort of religious ideology they just made them really scummy human beings from start to finish I don't know that's my theory yeah there was like a there was a clearly like a code of ethics that he had and there was this kind of like there were some where in some of the hammer films too you saw a little bit more of the overt religiosity uh and right, I think right. they tried what to, was really yeah. lacking here too was a lot of the background characters and their accountability and complacency and complicity in what was happening and i and that for me was kind of weird it felt very like okay we have our main character and he's trying to stop the witch finder because the witch finder is evil and that's the main and then he has witch finder has a sidekick and we have the other soldiers and those are the antagonists and protagonists that's very simple but it's a lot more complex than that and the film doesn't explore that as much as it could right. have to really show how deep the roots of that weaponized belief are correct and when you look at like the Salem witch trials like and I'll and I'll throw back to the crucible here in the crucible part of what makes it so haunting to me is that the the the, the priests in the crucible truly do believe they are doing God's work I mean that's one of the things about like all of those people, right, is that they they had these beliefs that they really stuck to for better or worse. And yes, they were misguided. Yes, they were hiding behind them the same way these guys are. But in some weird way, it's almost more terrifying to me 
when it's done in the name of the ideology and done in the name of religion. Whereas this was just watching two sadist, rapist serial killers getting away with what they were doing, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of felt, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. It just sounded like you said the sandwich trials. Instead of <laughs> I love trials. the sandwich trials. <laughs> so fast. So good. I love the sandwich trials too. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, uh, it goes, it, like we were talking about Midnight Mass just behind the recording and, um, like that that kind of how it bleeds into the rest of the society and I like I wanted more of that yes me too instead of men in the village like the one male villager who they gave like a a role to just completely sold everybody out too right like he was just like yeah that guy's a witch now do yeah let's go kill that guy and even the guards like everybody just felt so for hire and so lacking in any sort of morality that like In a folk horror story, I really want to cheer for someone, even if it's misguided. Like, one of the things I like about Midsummer, and this is my own personal, like, the Joker phenomenon. I I recognize the hypocrisy of this, but one of the things I like about Midsummer is that I secretly kind of root for her. I secretly see her victimization. I secretly see her morality as skewed and wrong as it is, you know? And in all of these folk horror stories... What I like is having somebody to root for. I root for the the cop and the wicker man. I root for, you know, the in in the apostle for Thomas. Like I and so and all those guys who are kind of secretly rebelling against the cult. So it's like I I felt like this film just even with the protagonist guy, it always felt to me like she was more property and and it had that kind of like twang of like, well, you know, I'm going to go, it's not even about avenging the wrong to her. It's about my pride and my, I'm going to go kill him. And like, you know, it just mm-hmm. felt all so fakely chivalrous. And like, it reminded me of The Last Duel, which I watched recently. There was a quote in that movie where the guy's like, you're my property and I'm not going to let you be the, like, I'm not going to let this guy win that, you know, like, and, and the rape is, and the violation of the woman is never at the crux of the issue. It's like the male pride is the real crime here. You know what I mean? So like, as much as I found him adorable and I wanted to pitch his little cheeks, I felt like his little crusade pun intended against the witch finder was so much more about his pride than it ever was about their relationship. And I don't want to poo poo the entire movie because this movie had a very tasteful doing it montage and (laughs) really did you know and i I, it did it was a it was there was there was a tasteful doing it montage nice folk music behind it right it was like mm, romantical and it was was, yeah and And i like like, i was like were they allowed to just bang back then was that that was my thought i'm like you know we're kind of uh I mean, I mean we're not gonna hold this room, movie y'all. we're gonna not gonna hold this movie to any historical accuracy really <laughs> uh but I did like how smooth the guy was in the beginning because he was like well your uh your uncle did say you got to go to bed and get a good eight hours Yo. of my dick and, <laughs> and then they, I loved it. That, yeah like Hey-o. that was such a good part in the beginning I did I like that I thought that was funny. I know I I did think it was interesting when he showed up at the end and like she'd seen you know Vincent Price in the town and mm-hmm. um you know she's all concerned and his yeah, guys that? show up and they just like lay on the bed and are making out and it's like you guys are worried about this guy coming to kill you and you guys are like make out time and the other the other soldier is just like i guess i'll just go to the bar then like Like he was the awkward like third wheel in that moment (laughs) yeah I loved, like, I always love what I could use in no time for love Dr. Jones quote from Indiana, because that's exactly what I said, Katie. I was like, oh, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Like, we got to kill the witch finder. Like, I was, yeah, agreed with you. And I also, I got to be honest, like, I wanted to be, I wanted to 
to have some sort of resolution to his whole like well is he gonna desert is he gonna be a captain is he gonna so I felt like that part never got resolved for me which which is weird to me that like he deserted and he was gonna be court-martialed but he the guy saved his life and then in the next scene he's gonna be promoted I know and then did he get the like was that desertion (laughs) did like I'm, I'm confused. I wanted just two more minutes just to make sure I, I think knew at where this his... point he's in the madhouse though. Like it, yeah. he's just gone crazy <laughs> I, at this point. Or he's a witch. Maybe yeah. a new witch finder came and just <laughs> took the care douche of finder it. came. The douche finder. The douche finder. I, Marissa shows up. I don't know if you guys at the if you guys could hear it the way that I heard it. I did have earbuds in, so I don't know how you watched it. But the scene when he was killing Vincent Price. Um, the styrofoam axe from Spirit Halloween. <laughs> that never went into him. him. Yeah, it was like, thump, thump. I'm like, that's, that's styrofoam, honey. We all know. We do something different. Like it just, it got comical. Like you could almost yeah. see the axe bending every time it hit Vincent Price and the bright pink fuchsia blood of like the oh, late the and early blood? 70s. Oh, I, I love, love it. That. that always makes me think of the OG Tales from the Crypt movie from the 70s because they did the mm-hmm. same thing where they mm-hmm. use like the fuchsia hot ink blood. Yeah. I love that. I love when they get creative yeah. like that. They're like, yeah, it's- no, blood is hot pink. Yes, it is hot. That's I'm such a vibe. Yeah, Blood's that's such pink. a, you're right. That's such a late 60s, early 70s mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Herschel Gordon Lewis, like, mm-hmm bright blood i love it so much <laughs> i um i always think of see for me it always thinks i always think of dawn of the dead because of the blue juxtaposed oh yeah red. it's um, so yeah i love it so one thing that usually i i get on my soapbox about is the extremely like and we've spoken a little bit to this just the really brutal violence in this film like i i felt so uncomfortable with it and i was so annoyed by it at first because i was like i hate watching long scenes of women screaming in pain and agony like i know that's reality i don't need to be reminded of it but i wrote i read a little thing about how like this this film was reeves's 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 i think yeah like reeves's reeves's reese's i like reeves's and reese's his his way of kind of juxtaposing the atrocities of Vietnam into this film which I thought was an interesting thing this kind of like experimentation with the two things that he was kind of playing with in, in his own head which was like how we're all coping or not coping as it were with the violent imagery of the war unfolding in front of us and I think mm-hmm. right in this moment more than ever we as for the first time are also kind of dealing with this and it's even 10 times more magnified because of social media and because of our access I mean I feel like we are watching every atrocity in Ukraine unfold in real time and it is fucking me up and it's also making it even harder to palette just violence in fictional world which is something that I'm, I'm curious to see if anybody else out there is going through because it's like knowing the atrocities in the real world while it both inoculates me to, and helps me cope to watch my my fictional violence as uh-huh. Katie and I w- would well establish it also makes it feel so much worse somehow for me so I'm like I'm grappling with that but I'm also grappling with this idea that like movies like this often get pegged as being a strong reaction to second wave feminism and I have to say I didn't read that at all in this film I don't think that this film was him secretly being afraid of feminism in fact I think if anything I would argue that a film like this was a remind like serves as a reminder of how important meaningful struggles for women's rights are. So I don't think that any sort of, while there is a a tinge of misogyny to a film like this, no matter which way you cut it, I don't think that this director or this project in and of itself could be accused of being anti-female from its lens in that time. So I don't know, those are are two things I haven't been playing with in my head. 
Yeah, I um, I I seem to remember hearing they uh, talk about um, how Matthew Reeves kind of it was much more of a direct response to horror, hammer horror films and kind of the way that they handled certain things and how he kind of wanted to strip that away. Like, first of all, seeing a lot of the violence instead of doing cutaways or anything like that. But also I think, yeah, how, how he handled the women in this film, how the violence was perpetrated on both men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, Much less exploitative, exploitative in my opinion. Yeah. And um, yeah, there was much less of, like gratuitous yeah like yeah I mean I felt like the violence what like it was handled in that it was a little gratuitous is the wrong word but it was like extended beyond where I would normally expect and um and I thought it was interesting too because Reeves like he's a western fan and oh you could tell this has been referred to yeah as a, a kind of an English western you know set in a civil war there's horses uh, the, the good versus the evil is very clear mm-hmm. and that you have the protagonist on a pers- uh, a revenge mission um and i think that those kind of sensibilities show through where it's like he's just kind of making this english western that's encapsulating you know the feelings of vietnam and kind of how history rhymes with itself um with the witch uh you know the witch finders and the, what happened in the civil war and how people grasped at that power in and in um you know, uh, Vincent Price's um, Hopkins case, uh, you know, that was what he did. He just, he was like, oh, I, I, you know, as Jackie said, I get these ideas in my head. I'm gonna, I, now this is how I'm going to exploit power in, in a time of unrest. Makes, and, it makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, and I agree that it, it seems that this would be a natural reaction to a Hammer film, because we all know how much I am uncomfortable with what I think the exploitation of the women in Hammer Horror films was, but um, I love Hammer films. I think they're campy bullshit, but I uh, love them. those poor women, <laughs> those poor sweet baby angels. God only knows what they were promised to do that shit. Um, but yeah, because yeah, no. that never happens now. <laughs> well, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't love this film as like the mark of a perfect folk horror film but I could see where it's part of that kind of I could see where it got its status from Uh, and that's the thing too that I was thinking when like because we chose this and I was Witchfinder General has always been a movie that I've wanted to see and never saw and then when I heard about it in the documentary I was like of the three it was the only one I hadn't seen and I was like okay I really need to see Witchfinder General. And so when this came up and I, I was expecting something like folksier, like- Same, yeah, no, same. In, in the regard for what I would consider folk horror, I think that the Apostle much more suits what I would think a folk horror would be and fall into that Midsummer Witch kind of category. Yep, Um and in uh, and instead it kind of felt it did it felt a lot more like I was watching kind of a western with excess like a peck and paw flick yeah no that's totally fair and I'm curious having seen because I haven't seen blood on Satan's claws is this one would you argue the weakest of the three um in terms of folk horror yeah yes okay um I think I I I don't know they're kind of on the exact same I saw blood on Satan's claws a while ago but i from what I remember, it's kind of in that same level of enjoyment. Um, yeah, but it, it also deals with like crazy kids. So I'm more, Ooh. I was, I, en- I enjoyed it more in that a respect. Good, a I good crazy kid movie. <laughs> crazy kids. Yeah. 
So if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to move on because I think 2018's Apostle was for me the, the more enjoyable, the more meteor of the yeah. two watches. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So Agreed. let's let's well, once you got and... about an hour into it. Yeah. <laughs> for 40 minutes, fair. maybe. <laughs> it was long. It was a long one. 2018's uh written, directed, and edited by Gareth Evans, the Apostle. Jackie, take it away. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'd love to give a synopsis, but uh, Dan Stevens is on the screen and then I'm blinded by my love for Dan Stevens. And then Michael Sheen is on the screen and I'm head over heels for him. So I don't know what happens because I just kept thinking about, you know, Michael Sheen and Dan Stevens. I went boy crazy. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> that is fair. He's, they're both dreamy. You know, I love Michael Sheen so much. He's just so friggin' adorable. I, I love him. He was kind him. of cute at this, even though- yeah. Milton. yeah he was a little bit a little bit crazy and i love him when he's got his big bushy big bushy beard have you have either one of you big so I bushy i didn't beard. know where my bushy was big going bushy. i was like well did i miss something have either one of you watched staged on hulu ah. okay did you see good omens uh, yes no okay well if you like the interaction of david Tennant and michael sheen watch staged it is okay absolutely hysterical it's basically um it's it's real life uh the pandemic happened they were supposed to do a play but obviously pandemic they get shut down so the director of the play is like well why don't we rehearse via zoom and then when the theater opens again when west end is open and available boom we're ready and we're ahead of everybody else absolute hilarity ensues it's all via zoom phone calls like these zoom calls (laughs) And it's Michael Sheen and David Tennant just being delicious and wonderful. And I love them both so, so much. So if you enjoy their chemistry in Good Omens, absolutely watch Staged on Hulu. And plus their wives are in it and they're just, oh God, Georgia Tennant is just, she's a piece of pie too that I'd like to eat. Like, she's just so cute. I love her. She's absolutely adorable. And you're, I follow her on fire with interesting phrases tonight. Like uh, <laughs> milk, and, milk and toast. And Have you never heard the, the term something is milk toast? Nope. Never in my life. Really? What? Yes. I mean, don't forget you guys. I grew up in like an ESL household. We didn't, I didn't hear most idioms growing up. So I'm still late to the party, just like eating a piece of pie. That's uh, like, I, it took me a long while to even realize the reference there too. Um, (laughs) What can I tell you guys? I'm a lot more innocent than I come off on the show. (laughs) So, well, I digress. I will, I will steer the train back back to uh, to the station, back to the station, back to the Welsh uh, countryside. Um, so this, you're, you're right. So, okay. I don't even know where I want to jump in. I do think that it's just like most good folky modern horror films. It is, it is a slow burn, but man, does it pay off in the end? Like yeah. Jackie, this, this movie is a slow burn. I really, really like this movie. Oh, check snap. one in the column that there's a slow burn wow. movie that Jackie actually likes. All right, and it's probably not because I'm boy crazy. It has nothing to do with being boy crazy. Tell me, but uh, I'm sure that kept you engaged it did through keep that me. first no, forty the, minutes. The story—that's the slowest part. hundred <laughs> percent. For, for me, honestly, like the story. I didn't mind the beginning. I was here for it because I was kind of like building up to like, is he going to see his sister? Is she going to see him? Is she going to blow the cover? Like I was here beginning to end. And then it just got like bloody, sticky, violent. And I was like cheering in the background. I I was here for every minute of this slow burn. And I did not think I'd ever utter that phrase. See how I'm growing. See what you guys have done to me. You've made me a whole actual grown up. 
Yeah, because you're all grows up and you all grows up. Um, no, I agree. With you. I think this film is is a very well done film. And in fact, I would argue that it is one. It has quickly climbed my list of really good slow birds lately. Um, because you're right. I think that, and the fact that you like it, Jackie, kind of empowers my my opinion even more. I think it gets. Uh, the greatest I, I listen I was so edge of my seat through it legitimately rooting for him the entire time and I was so mm-hmm. affected by that ending I was like oh snap um and I gotta tell you the grinder scared the pantalones off of me I don't know why and and I there's <laughs> the grinder scared me and the 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 goddess scared the crap out of me too I was like yeah. the entire time so to me this hit every mark that I want a good film to mark to hit plus it was so thematically good um so to me the whole crux of this is just how men will abuse their gods whether real or imaginary the fact Mm -hmm. that these men oppressively like contain her and lock her up and like just decide what she wants and needs is just so perfect to me as a a new feminist and I like the idea of like her correlation to mother nature and like the paganism of her I love the idea that if they would like are we safe to assume that had they just let her be they would have been fine like they would have been able to live there happily and she would have blessed them or like what's that was one thing that I had a little trouble unpacking in my head I was like was she a good goddess who would have granted them the land and like let them live there or would she have been like get the fuck out of here and eat all your faces Jackie I'm gonna let you because I was equally kind of confused and I just realized well, I needed to like let it ride <laughs> I okay so I took it a little bit differently of they they basically used her up the reason that at this point where they are now, like they've tapped the resources and they're trying to feed her blood and they're trying to go the animal blood and then they're trying to do the human blood and think like, it's just not working. And to me, they have literally tapped her, her power essentially dry, which is, and the reason I take it like that is because at the end, you know, she kind of does like the whole touch on, on Thomas. And at the end, it's his blood and through him that things are starting to grow again. So mm-hmm. I took that as they, yeah, I like that. they used her up essentially, and they were still trying to take from her and she had nothing left to give. And Ooh, it was yeah. only what a, what after, a giving tree metaphor. I love and it. It was only uh-huh. after she, like I said, she, you know, she touched Thomas and, you know, did whatever she did to him. She booped him. She did. She, she gave him a, she gave him a gave big him a old boop. boop. She gave him a boop. Yeah. And then he in turn basically became the, the God or the, the goddess figure Mm -hmm. and was able to, you know, I had that thought too, like, as they were running away and everything's on fire, I'm like, well, like everything should be good now. Just put the fires out and you don't have to leave. (laughs) You're fine. You could stay. You don't have to run away. You know, it felt like there was a metaphor for like the, the deterioration of the human vessel and how, um, like, I don't, when they found her, it, yeah, to, to your point, I think that she was already kind of struggling. Like she's on an, and it clearly it is the kind of burying of humans that keeps her alive and that's how she gets her power. And so if this island is completely free of void of humans, then she's not going to have anything to eat in the normal, you know, regulation of nature. Um, and so then they're, yeah, they're able to help her. And at first it's a very amicable exchange. Um, 
but I like, I didn't even think about that kind of, yeah, like the passing of the power torch. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I thought, cause it was kind of like, that was the part that I was most interested was like, well, she had a human form when they found her and then, but burning her freed her of her chains. So how is this helping the toxic soil of the Island? But I, I think, yeah, you're right. I think that, yeah, he kind of became and took that mantle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also interpreted it that he then became the, the her, or like her vessel or the the island's vessel, as it were. I, I think that, I don't know that I ever, would ever call their exchange amicable. I think they imprison her the fucking second they find her, right? Like they immediately oppress her and ask more from her than she could ever give. And, and it's just like their abuse of her that I think causes her to go bad. I think she willfully stops giving to them is how I t- well, took it. And I should say like when it's like kind of that exchange, like this is going to be a good handshake. Yeah, we'll work together to make this happen. But they're so they like, it does, their- it is, a, it's a short, it's a short lived mm-hmm. amicable, like they, they have that handshake and then they put the handcuff on her and are like, yeah, but we want to make sure that you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Typical like colonization Um, slash like, you know, uh, the, 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 the hubris of the, the European man, right. Coming in and fucking taking Well, and I think it comes, it comes from a place of fear, like fear of losing that power and fear of losing. No, I'm not saying that that's like, Oh, but you have to understand it's from fear. No, I mean, like they are afraid they are right. scared little men who need to, who mm-hmm. feel like they need to control in to order oppress. to have, right. to have Absolutely. that power when they don't realize that the power could be given freely. If you just work in line with nature. Exactly. And they fucking make up all these rules, right? One of the things I love the most about this film, the thing that like right. gave me like a complete, like just, just, I just was enamored with is this idea of like fundamentalism, which is based on a bunch of bullshit, based on a fucking lore that you make up to make it all make sense, to make it palatable for the masses, right? So, like, what I love that Malcolm wasn't the big bad guy, too, because going into mm-hmm. it, you're like, oh, that's the bad guy. Malcolm's the bad guy, right? But then it turns out that he's really. His only crime is really empowering these other motherfuckers and making up the lore and trying to stick to this fundamentalism that he probably legitimately believed in. You know what I mean? Like, I think Malcolm isn't the big bad guy, right? The Fionn's yeah. father is. The, and, and Malcolm is at a point where he's almost willing to accept his own defeat and the own wrongdoing they did. Like he's so almost redeemable to me. And again, I'm not, I'm not justifying because he obviously is so guilty in all this too, but I, I love that they made it like Malcolm would have been the low hanging fruit. So instead they turn around, they say, look at this monster that Malcolm kind of enabled and look at who's going to take power away from Malcolm and control things, because that's the truth of it. Right. The, to me, the ultimate theme here is men. Fu- and I don't mean men, just males. I mean, humans suck. And we're going to fucking ruin everything. We get our little grubby fucking selfish shitty hands on. Right. And so to me, like this corruption of nature, this corruption of this goddess, this corruption of their attempt at an, an at a fucking utopia, it's not even so much a cult as it is just they turn, they try really hard to be good and then they turn into a cult and then they do shitty things like fucking hold the woman ransom and kill people well, they, and all that shit. I mean, in a way, they do the same thing to Malcolm that they did to the goddess because mm-hmm. they used him up yep. until he was no longer useful. Malcolm was obviously... Ooh the charismatic one Malcolm was the you know I'm you know I can lead you the goddess is speaking to me you know he was the one that brought them all in and then suddenly when Quinn so Quinn was his right hand man who 
you know, got really powerful when he felt that Malcolm was, he said, he's like, you're soft at this point and we need a leader. They did the same thing to Malcolm. You are used up. We don't need you anymore. We're going to discard you. And I'm now the strength that this village needs. Yeah. Well, and the, the only thing that doesn't sit well with me and why I can't redeem him is because the purification ritual exists. And that's somewhere along the line, they decided that they needed this contraption and, and Malcolm was complicit in its creation. Oh my God. Yeah. And he stole a a human being to blackmail people for money. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, they are, they are convicts. Um, you know, I like to, I like to think of Malcolm. He was probably like the, the white collar criminal. Like he's the guy who like money laundered and stuff. And all the two other guys are like the blue collar crime, like the brutes and the murderers. Um, so many of these scenes, you know, Quinn was a fucking rapist. Like that was his rape times. He was so many of my favorite scenes in this movie. There there's three scenes in particular that really affected me. And while they are three different scenes, you can sum them up with everything is wet and sticky with blood. (laughs) Because the scene, so the the first one, obviously the purification table. Like that's just, that, 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 I I literally tensed. Like when I, when they, I'm not much to like point out cinematography, but the way that they shot this film where they, you see them on the table and you don't quite know what's going to happen. And then the scene just pans to the drill bit. And I literally, like, I scrunched my shoulders up. Um, there was that scene. Can I tell you real quick? I hadn't actually, like, heard a lot of buzz around this movie. But I watched, like, a YouTube video of, like, the best kills of whatever the year at K 2018. And this was number one on the list. And they, like, showed just a few clips, not enough to even show just, like, the drill bit and stuff. And that was enough for me to be like, I have to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there was... Uh, yeah, the, and I like how they have like the one little like rose petal. Like, here you go. We're just gonna put this in here, and now you're pure. Ooh, you're good. Pure. You're tapping in. Just kind of. Yeah. Oh, that part. Get just... a little band aid and some bacteria. You're fine. You're pure. I, yeah, I almost went. What? Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. that part. I was like, don't um, touch that. Don't. Yeah. Don't touch that. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna like I said, so there was that part. Um, the part. Oh my God! Like, let's. I I have a, a small checklist of of just horrific fears and one of them is in closed spaces the other one is being chased so when thomas is in like the grody river of like blood and poop and he is then being oh my god like that another shoulders (sighs) went up super tight because i'm like it's claustrophobic she just like goddess kind of like hops up kind of just like hey what's up homeboy and then he's like trying to swim backwards to get away oh like that one freaked me out the and germs, then, the germs in there. Yeah, I have goosebumps. Yeah, you talking it was, about it. it. <laughs> There's not then, enough hand sanitizer in the world, yeah. people. And then the scene that Marissa talked about earlier when Thomas was fighting the creature on that grinder thing and, mm-hmm. and he lost fingers. Like those three scenes all made me tense up my shoulders. They were all just sticky with blood. And it was, it was it, very, very powerful scenes really enjoyed the, I the highlights. I have to add the ending spoiler Quinn's death where the he's just got the blade in him and the girls are Ooh. pulling him back and the blade yeah. isn't moving Quinn is moving as it's bearing through him. Ugh. I loved it though. I was like so Dude, yes. the, the stabby scene in the beginning 
when that one guy, when they were going through and having people like recite the Bible verse or whatever, and there was that mm-hmm. one guy that was like, for king and country, and he stands up, and then like seven dudes with spears just like impales ah. him from nine different angles. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, that's amazing. Well, and then I, like, he was like literally paralyzed at that point, but he was still trying to kill Malcolm. Oh, I know. So good. Such a good, yeah. such a good ass movie. <laughs> and I think it just falls into that, what we were, t- like the pastoral violence, what they were talking about in, uh, when they talk about Witchfinder General, how there's that, the beauty of the countryside juxtaposed this is the next level where the beauty is actually found in the violence Mm -hmm. like i mean those are like you could see those in renaissance art like not yeah galleries where take the take it out paint it and it would be a gorgeous just the way the lighting is and everything Mm. about it while this terribly gruesome thing is happening um, and and I loved it. I'm in here for it. <laughs> it's, and I know it's such a corruption too, right. Of this like beautiful landscape I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all of us, really, that this film was a corruption of all of us. But like, I love personally, like I loved that they are doing like, uh, to me, one of the most horrific scenes that ironically you guys didn't mention was when he kills the daughter and he kills her right oh. for getting pregnant. And it's such a perfect snapshot to me. And I love the, the, the scene of him getting branded with the, with the cross too. like his, when, yes. when Thomas loses his faith or at least loses his belief in like traditional fundamentalist faith. But like mm-hmm. the idea of how we like, we do these horrible, horrible things in the name of some shitty bullshit made up like laws or rules or we justify being so shitty to each other in the name of religion is such a prominent relevant thing in our world today like i think of what's happening in florida what's happening in texas what's happening all over the world and how so many people are able to justify just atrocities and just violence towards other human beings just because they can hide behind books and they can hide behind their ideologies and their fundamentalist interpretations of what it's supposed to all mean. And while I don't pretend to know the truth, I do know that the thing that made me happy about this film and like, like it, it, it spoke to that kind of conflict within myself of always trying to find peace with this concept of something beyond myself while also saying, fuck you to organized religion is that Thomas, I think in the end finds that peace for himself because when he, he lost his faith, right? When he, when what happened to him with the whole uh, massacre happened, when, you know, they killed his people, they, they branded him, they did all these atrocious things. And he was there trying to basically shove his religion down their throats. I'm not making it out that he's the victim because he was wrong for being there too. But when he, I think the scene between him and the goddess was so touching to me because I think it, it was almost this reminder that there's nothing wrong with having faith in something. There's nothing wrong in believing with something bigger if it's on this micro level and you're not using it to do anything besides be good and do good. And like when he finds his sister, it's so touching to me. Like, and I knew like at that point, you're like, dude, homeboy's not okay. Like, it's like so hard. You see that stabbing just like, oh, and you're like, he is not gonna, that is not more than a bandaid. Yeah. um, like that touching moment where like his humanity is redeemed and his mic in a micro way. And then he becomes, uh, to me, he became the, the vessel for the goddess. He be, he was the apostle in a really real way in that moment just was so cool to me. Like, fuck, I love this movie. You guys, like, I just can't stop gushing over how thematic it was and just how it spoke to so many different things. And Jackie, I have to say, I'm mad about your, 
your interpretation because then it also adds that layer of like the mother earth and like how we're fucking literally abusing this earth is not even going to be able to sustain us for much longer and yet nobody pretends like we all just pretend it's not real so i mean it's it's such a beautiful metaphor on so many levels i i want to be terrible and slightly defend a villain oh okay because yes the religious zealot yes they're made up laws and it just works for them in their little bubble so they're gonna do what they want but just gonna throw the the big butt out there when quinn kills his daughter is he wrong yes because nothing has been able to sustain life reproduce the animals are giving birth to deformities now, should he have killed her? No, but I, 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 I don't, he's, he's not wrong because this isn't just about their bullshit fundamental religion. There is a bit of a supernatural element happening in this movie. Yeah. Where, lamb. yeah, yeah. Like things do not survive. Things are not growing. This is a toxic but had land. She, but had she been able to leave, would that have been, would that have changed anything you think? I don't know. Like I, that was something I thought no about that. Like he's, he's definitely yeah. wrong. He's in the wrong. But, oh, fucking murdering but is his yeah. thinking, is his, is his original idea for it wrong? Because there is the supernatural elements happening on this island. And could I think she have, could she have, yeah, he said, like he said, that's going to be a, an yeah. abomination like or whatever. Point, yeah. But she also says in, in a moment, that's such a fucking awesome liberalist move. She's like, it's my, it's my fucking thing. Like it's mine. It's oh my, yeah. This is all oh, my exactly. fucking choice to make. Mm-hmm. Like I want to give birth. Right. If she wanted to give birth to a fucking creepy dead thing, that's her fucking business. That is her well, right. And it, yeah. isn't that exactly the whole, the whole Crux of thing the that you just said, uh, mm-hmm. Marissa, is that I think, I think it's important for us to have tomes of a moral compass, you know, like they're, whether, whether, whatever religion or whatever ideology you're finding yeah. that under, like it is important because that's what is teaching us the fables, the folklore, if right. you will, of, of the good and the evil. It teaches you good. Um, yeah. the, the problem is when we, it becomes fanatical, when yeah. we start imposing on it's other people, yeah. when we start saying that th- this moral that I f- have, and this plays for witch finder, this plays for apostle, it, these values and morals that I have and this desire, the desire to see things this way is then brought upon to others and not letting them make those decisions. And yes, I mean, if she did leave the island, why not let her take that opportunity and that chance? Right. Um, you know, why not, why not have that? And I mean, it wasn't, it was no secret that Quinn was trying to keep them apart, but even before she was pregnant, um, that was just weird. Um, but I think that was it. It came from that scared pace of like, what if she becomes pregnant? Don't like, I don't want my daughter to be pregnant because everything here dies. And then when she ends up that way, he's already gone over that cliff. Right. Um, and then he just, I mean, that's the last of it. And I do, I will say with regard to the brutality and beauty of that scene I love that as much as there is so much like craziness that happens in this movie we don't see him kill her we just yeah. see the aftermath mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and I think that's a very that's conscious so choice yeah yeah I'll, and I'll she clearly fought back yeah yeah hell yeah she did <laughs> um the other thing too is like I one of the things that bums me out about both these films and it's just like the way that we can't fucking help ourselves in corrupting everything around us. Like, and it's such an important theme. And I, and I think that none of us, I, I don't even want to make this about gender or about anything like that. Cause I just think it's just humans in general. It's like, 
we're we just fucking suck we're the worst we just can't help but ruin everything around us and it is because we impose our own morals right and we just think we're all right and we're let me caveat to this is if these are folklore tales and they're kind of morals stories where we get to is isn't that the point is that we learn from the horror that is happening in these and say like not just say oh we're like ah they're screwing everything up but being like learning from Thomas's actions. But we're not the ones who not need this lesson, that. right? Like you and I, the three of us on we this call- We always need that lesson. Are, we always well, need yeah, that yeah. reminder. But like, wouldn't it be nice- It's always if, good to have these stories. the Malcolms and the Garretts and the, the fucking Witchfinder douche generals of the world all learn this lesson? Because here's the thing, I don't think they're ever going to learn these lessons. I think this is what yeah. makes- like it's like you know the whole like old. you're right like the it's like the whole like reading Harry Potter makes you a better human being like it's true that's what you do right you you learn from the folk story you you remind yourself of the good you keep fighting the good fights but what what burns me up is that the people in this world and I can name like ten people on TV I could think of who could really use to learn these lessons but like the people who really need these lessons, it's not like they're ever going to be taught. It's not like there's fix. We can't fix them. We can't change them. It's like, one of the things we're grappling with is how do you exist? Cause like escaping to the cult doesn't work. Right. Because every time I joke about starting my own commune, I realize that I have uh, absolutely could become a cult leader and it's probably a terrible idea, but we can't escape it. We can't run away from it. We can't fight them. So what do we do? How do we, how do you, how do you reconcile? Like, I, and to me, that's what I loved Malcolm's daughter's character for that is that she's very much trying to exist within these parameters that she didn't create. And she's just a huge, big old victim of, right? And she does good. She does a lot of good. She gives the girl the blanket. She's like, fuck off to all the kids. She, she helps Thomas in spite of herself. Like, so her character to me is, if I have to find a moral compass on all this, it's definitely the Malcolm's daughter because she does what she believes to be right in spite of, the brainwashing and in spite of the cult-like behavior and in spite of what you know even her familial ties like she really breaks a lot of those those bonds in the name of doing what's right so she to me becomes the moral compass of the story and I like that yeah personally I think that's that's kind of when when the soil is toxic you have to be able to reframe and that's that's kind of what she was doing with her little with her little hut in the Mm -hmm. in in all of the dead stalks you know she was you know finding her own way and I think that's really the lesson is that what we need to do is give ourselves permission to live our lives in what we know is right and what we know is good and understand that the things that we do not have control over and that are not immediately affecting us really need to be like, if we want to live happy lives, if happiness is the goal here, then we need to hope for the best and we need to live our to our best selves because when we do that, we are better equipped to help others when that time comes. We rise to the occasion when we are given the opportunity to make change. I don't know. I think I'm more, if the soil is toxic, which I think it is these days for us, I'm ready to burn it down. Like Thomas did. I'm ready. Like, let's fuck it. Let's burn it down. It's too, well, it's that's, too but that's bad. what I mean is you, it's you have to gone. be like, he was, he was of that era where he, or he would, he had prepared himself to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what I'm saying is that the best be. you can do right now in the moment is burn prepare yourself okay. to be like, take, <laughs> take care of what you know to be right. So that way, when that choice or that time comes, you can make that decision as best you can. Yeah. Just like, um, fuck instead man. of getting dragged into the muck. 
if if from things only you can't every if only everybody would just fucking stay in their lane bro like that's my biggest fucking yeah. thing if only or at like, least use a blinker yeah seriously <laughs> like you know what i mean like, like seriously it's i like, could expand on this metaphor but i'm not going to. <laughs> like i just i feel like i'm so fucking i the the soil is so fucking rotten because everyone's hiding behind some sort of ideologies be it political or religious to oppress each other and and it's fucking i'm fucking over it and and that's exactly why I, this movie spoke so well to me is that like sometimes it's just things are too fucking rotten and you got to burn it down so burn it all down yeah mm-hmm. fuck this fuck yes this and don't um, let marissa start a commune because no bad <laughs> idea fanatics no. happen everywhere terrible. yeah terrible terrible idea dude no matter how much i i beg and please do not follow me into the woods somewhere it's not it's not gonna end well for any of us i am not i re- i recognize that trait in myself i do mm-hmm. um but no yeah i i really thought this movie was a to me, just a slam dunk snapshot of what a perfect full car movie should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it hit all those marks and like it yeah. know, big, two big thumbs up. Yeah, like slam dunk. <laughs> like I, I mean, just totally everything. All of the like the little like check mark things that a full car story should be. It hit, and then it it was so good and effective. And what a heart! Like I, to me, just the epitome of a horror movie too. Because I, me too. There were so many times where yeah. I clutched like this. <laughs> like I just didn't want to see it, and I did. Having seen, uh, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Midnight Mass, but I was a little bit nervous at first because the way that the movie started. I was like, are we like the way that the apostle movie started? I was like, are we, are we not going to talk about the vampire? Like, I wasn't sure if this was going the way of a vampire movie. And then I was like, midnight mass really just like kind of bite off this. So I'm actually very happy that while the goddess drank blood, it wasn't, it wasn't a vampire story. No, yeah, vampire well, movie. Right. Like it was oh yeah. You're about- like it was simply about like how can we give her life how can we give her you know literally our lifeblood so I was like at first I was really I was like oh it's a vampire thing yeah at the beginning when they get off the boat they're like asked to donate a little blood yeah and like when the blood was on the floor and you see her come up from the floorboards like I was like oh we're gonna go vampire and I'm like but that's midnight mass and it did it like I I know Mike Flanagan's better than that like you're not gonna just bite off that well and to be fair midnight mass I think he's had this script for a very long time because oh yeah there's a book called midnight mass in um hush tell me that uh yeah um (laughs) so it and it's actually like there there have been a few of works that he's done where this midnight mass like it is in it like it, it kind of exists the fictional midnight mass exists and so then now we have it for real cool. okay oh, snap. Um, but no midnight- but I- i'm sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say just reiterate i was i was happy that this didn't go the route of yeah vampire <laughs> is midnight mass a full- midnight mass is a full car huh yeah why wouldn't it be yeah i never thought of it in, in terms of being like hitting the marks of full car but I think you could make the argument. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah I mean, if I we're talking it. about, yeah, if we're talking about themes of like weaponized belief and fanaticism mm-hmm. and, and like an isolated, uh, isolated yeah. rural, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the more rural isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, You've got like, the guy coming back from prison, kind of like the outsider, even though yeah, he was from there, coming. but it's still, he's been gone for X amount of but, years. So, and he's also, you know, uh, you know, he's given up 
his faith, which also mm-hmm. makes him an outsider in the community because this community is clearly very faith-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, it does. It hits all those points. And I think that's kind of the, we're seeing the evolution of folk horror now. And uh, you're right. It's, it's hitting a lot of, I think that even just movies about cults um, with Midsommar, um, The Other Lamb, those kind of things, like the seeing, um, yeah, I think Marissa, you said at the very beginning, kind of the, we're looking back to the past of religious faith and fanaticism to kind of emphasize what the ideologues of today, whatever that ideology may be and how fanatical you get and how you scream and yell and rant if you don't get your way or your way isn't being seen. And it's, it's everywhere. And I think it hits every ideology that's out there because they get so fanatical about it. And it's like, or you could just let everyone have their room to breathe because you don't need to make everybody see it the way you do. So the, you're right. I think there's a, an inherent danger of cult thinking in our society today that is running rampant. And I think that one of my biggest gripes in, in current climate is while I 100% agree with you and I think everybody should have their space, we need to stop acting like violations of human rights are a political or a religious difference. That's my big, my biggest gripe is that I am all about letting everybody believe whatever the fuck they want to believe in and do whatever the fuck they want to do until it means oppressing other people. And so what I'm, what I would like to kind of put my fucking claim in, if I'm going to join a cult of any kind, it's the cult of everybody has the right to be, to, to live without being oppressed or live without fear of being, uh, you know, radicalized or, or taught that they're not okay the way they are because of religious or political ideologies. So to me, I, I while I 1000% agree with you and I wanna live in the world where everybody's just given room to breathe, we have to stop pretending that oppression of humans is a political or a religious ideology because that's what gets us in these messes. That's the cult thinking that I take issue with because I don't give a fuck what you want to do as far as masks, as far as fucking, you know, finances, as far as who you want to blame for fucking gas prices. I don't give two fucks about any of that. But the minute you tell another human being that they don't have the right to be who they are or exist in their in their own space, then you've lost me. This isn't about politics. This is about human rights. So while I agree with you, I think we're in a moment where people are starting to confuse basic human rights and the, the beginnings of another mark of a serious movement towards oppressing certain people and the propaganda of it all. And they're just saying, oh, that's cool. It's just it's just politics and religion. So it's okay. It's just differences of opinion. So I think we got to be very careful there. That would be my one like asterisk to your statement. Everything, like every war, every like conflict, politics and religion. When human rights are being violated, we we lie and say that it's it's politics and religion. Yeah. One of my well, favorite in that ways- case, can we do something about human trafficking, please? <laughs> like- yes, a hundred percent we should. <laughs> One of my yes. favorite ways to to shut things like that down is I've had conversations with people where I've had to end it with um, keep your religion out of my fill in the blank. Keep your religion out of my uterus. Yeah. Keep your religion out of my bedroom. Keep your religion out of my vagina. Keep your religion off my breasts. Like keep your religion out of my everything. Yeah, like seriously. Yeah. Ser- I, like I mean, my that's... big thing is your rights and where mine begin. 
you can do whatever the fuck you want to do with your life. Don't try to oppress me or get in my, like, literally, Mm -hmm. I fucking live and die by that. Your rights end where my begin, period, exclamation point. If I want to bang men, women, whoever, as long as it's consensual and we're both over the age, cool beans, bro. Like, that's the big argument for me is that like, if we can live in a world where we all just do us as long as it's consensual and amongst adults, I don't give a fuck what you do, truly. Like, and that's what I don't understand is to me just seems so black and white, yet the rest of the world doesn't understand that. And it just fucking drives me nuts. Because I think that's generally that, yeah, that kind of, you know, just stay in your lane. Like what I was saying before, like take take care of you. Right. Just fucking live I live in your five miles. Exactly. I heard somebody say and that. then fucking right. And then to fuck with everything else. If it doesn't concern you, who cares? But yeah, no, full oh. I think we're going to see more and more full car. I think we're going to see more and more cult horror as we navigate a yeah. post-Trump landscape. Well, Hello. I think, okay. yeah, the, the, the movement of cult horror and you see, you know, I think we talked about this. We've talked about this a lot. I know when we were doing these on screen, we would talk about the uh, uh, you know, ups and downs of the different, um, types of horror and how they end up being responses to, um, political climates. And, mm-hmm. um, that's, and I think that I, it was three or four years ago, I wrote an article for horror geek life that was about, um, the, it's called the culture, uh, C-U-L-T dash U-R-E, um, or the rise of culture horror. So I forget exactly what the title is, but, um, I wrote this piece and it was about, how this is the, going to be the next trend. And we can see from even just the making of this documentary that the folk horror is becoming a thing to be watched for the rise in the political climate, um, which I am wholeheartedly an advocate for because I am tired of the sequel reboot or as yeah. Street 5 likes to say, Requel. requels. requels. <laughs> Shoot me in the head. Oh, the requels so self-aware just Um, like can you exposition me to death and then kill my favorite character go ahead i know that was that was was brutal you want to talk about real crimes against humanity (laughs) (laughs) thank you it was an honor (laughs) it was it was real crimes against humanity if we're gonna talk crimes let's talk about all these requels that are coming out Um, oh man and it's funny because you guys know me I'm always quick to try to defend the newer ideations of stuff like I actually really loved the Chucky series but dude oh I love the Chucky series series, I mean that's just a continuation I mean that's still Don Mancini that's a continuation yeah yeah fair and like, but God damn it. Like the Texas Chainsaw and Scream were just, oh. I didn't God. see the Texas Chainsaw and I didn't care to see it. And I just think, I do kind of think that it's funny, the theme of, cause it's it kind of is a different, like it's a reversal of cult war in a way. Um, cause what I know of it is that it's these, all these like Instagram, YouTube influencer people, they come into the town cause they want to revitalize it and like gentrify the town and Leatherface is like screw you guys I know and 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 like in theory and I thought that was so funny like I just thought that was like yeah you you can't kill like the past is gonna kill you yeah you zoomer assholes oh i'm just kidding <laughs> no you know there it, it's funny too because there was a good like there was something good to be said there they just missed the mark so because i did too i found it fascinating i was like huh i wonder how they're gonna villainize like i was like oh are they villainizing like liberal ideology and i was like no they're villainizing like douchey like 
influencer people, which I kind of am okay with. And then I was like, mm, but everything else missed the mark so terribly that like, cause like the people who were from the town and it was just garbage mess. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't see it, so I can't speak too much to yeah. it. I can only speak and it was in so the, like, the general You would be so terms. annoyed by how on the nose it is. And, like, I, and they had like, they recast Sally Hardesty just so ooh. they could have her in it. Like in a yeah. total Jamie Lee Curtis, like. I know. And move. that, cause you guys know how much I love Laurie Strode all grown up. So I was really bad. I, and I'm not even going to pretend to defend the, the most recent Halloween movie. It was garbage. But the the first one, the first new one I really liked. And I loved old Laurie Strode, but God damn it, did they bastardize that idea in this fucking movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was so angry. I was like shaking, at the, like literally just sitting on the couch, shaking just, like Cornholio. Like I, was just... I think we can all just be grateful for the fact that it's very unlikely that Robert England will come back and therefore Heather can sit quietly in her home with her yeah. happy oh. life. Like, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see her at the next con. You know? Thank God for small miracles. Yeah. Cause th- that's all <laughs> we would need. Well, first of all, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Thanks I for having me. Absolutely adore having you on. So once again, tell us where we can find screenwriters. Yeah. Screenwriters, uh, available. Well, you can go to screenwriters.com. You can uh, find it on all of your, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, um, all of your podcasting platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I know Patrick always likes to say you can find him on Twitter, New York in June. Um, I do not have a Twitter. Um, (laughs) um, so, but if there are any screenwriters out there, uh, it is a blast of a podcast and, um, there's a lot of great interviews on there to learn more about your craft. Uh, and then, you know, uh, horror geek life, you can always find me on there writing about old school because retros are my favorite. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then in April, uh, you can, uh, Scarlet Leaf Review will have Andrew Devine as a rock star available to read for all of your eyes. Woohoo. Well, thank you again yeah. for coming on. This was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for indulging the folk horrorness of it all. I want to watch the rest of the documentary. It might take me about three weeks, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> yeah. It'll take a while. <laughs> I took a break. Yeah. We'll do it in little chunks. We'll just yeah, chunk- make it episodic. We'll do do little chunks. Little chunks is the way <laughs> exactly. to go. Uh, so hope you guys enjoyed our episode. Don't forget to check us out on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Just search Jersey Ghouls, or you can always find our podcast, our blog, contact information, and all fun stuff at JerseyGhouls.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. listening to the Geekscape Network.